Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm guest host Rick Samprin. More Hamilton businesses charged for violating COVID-19 regulations. Hamilton's Director of Emergency Center Paul Johnson joins the show with some reminders. COVID-19 continues to surge as health officials plead with Ontarians to stay home. Yet Ontario's Finance Minister Rod Phillips left the country for a personal trip and is trying to backpedal with apologies. Do the restrictions not apply to everyone? Retailers had an ugly year in 2020. What could 2021 look like? And the best available science supports allowing family and caregivers into hospitals and not restricting them from helping. We get the details. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now. Today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. As Hamilton marks more than a week of being in lockdown, more businesses, if you can believe it, are in hot water for not following COVID-19 safety rules. Get some of the details from CHML's Lisa Poleski. The city began publicly identifying businesses that break pandemic-related rules after a Stony Creek restaurant broke those rules multiple times. Among those charged most recently is a Stony Creek Tim Hortons for allegedly exceeding the indoor capacity, failing to enforce physical distancing, and failing to ensure face coverings are worn. The beer store on Mohawk Road East is facing a single charge for not screening properly, while a pizza takeout restaurant on the mountain is charged for an employee not wearing a face covering, a grocery store on the mountain, a liquidator in the East End, and a bakery in Stony Creek are all facing multiple charges tied to not posting a safety plan. So far, Hamilton has issued over 400 charges under the province's COVID-19 safety laws. Lisa Pulaski, 900 CHML News. And Hamilton's not alone in this regards, but uh, yes, it is happening in the city. It's happened in Toronto. There's other centers that have reported similar violations. Paul Johnson is the director of Hamilton's Emergency Operations Center, and he joins us now this morning. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Rick. Great to be with you. Great uh, to be with you as well. I ensure you had a, a nice, quiet Christmas and looking forward to 2021. Uh, we're all looking forward to, to 2021 for sure. It's going to be a, a, a tough year, but uh, it's nice to be able to see the light at the end of the long tunnel and and as uh, our mayor said once, it's not a train coming at right at us. It's actually light at the end of that long tunnel. So it's good news. Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, part of me can't believe that we're still hearing about these infractions, but there is a part of me that does believe that, yeah, this is still going on. What, what's going on? Uh, well, it, it is hard to believe. But then again, look at the numbers, look at the spread of this virus in the community. And it's pretty clear that um, that. that Things that we know can stop the spread of this virus just aren't being done at an individual level uh, and at a business level. And that's not to say that every infraction that business has had has led to an outbreak, but it, uh, the virus does tell the story. If we were all doing things really, really well, our numbers were not, will not, would not be where they, uh, where they are. And so our team, uh, we've got a, a dedicated COVID uh, enforcement team that's out. And I think what you saw in some of the latest pieces is, uh, that it doesn't matter whether you're a multinational organization, whether you're a chain of, of um, well-respected uh, brands or not. Uh, if, if individual locations are not following the rules, then we will, uh, we will be there and we will enforce as we need to. But these are pretty simple things to follow. I mean, not making sure your employees are wearing their face coverings is critically important. You know, not, you know, we know the importance of physical distancing and all the rest. So, uh, you know, a few businesses that are open right right now, Rick. It's a uh, it's they're open for a reason because we are in a province wide lockdown right now, and those that are open need to take this very seriously uh, because there's lots of other businesses that would love to be open right now and aren't and can't under the uh, provincial lockdown, and they're saying, hey, you know, 
other businesses can't even follow these simple rules. You know, why are they allowed to be open? But they are. And so they need to continue to follow the rules and we'll be there to continue to ensure that they do. Is there any evidence to suggest that these places are knowingly flaunting the rules or are some just making simple mistakes? Well, I I always uh, like to see the good in people. And so I, I do think that this is a, a combination of people trying to keep their business going and understanding that there are other things in place, but that that's not an excuse for it. So rather than saying that they're knowingly doing it, I think what those, what, I'll, what I will say is they're clearly not putting enough time and energy into this. And like every other safety measure that should be in place in workplaces in Ontario, this is a, a very important safety measure. Because if you are not screening and people are coming in who are sick, that's a very diff- that's a very dangerous thing to have happen in closed spaces and in workplaces. If you're not having your own employees wearing masks all the time when they need to be, again, that can raise the level of risk. So uh, I, I look at this as, as no different than all of the other things that businesses need to comply with. You need to spend time at it and you need to probably go over it on a very regular basis. Because people do make mistakes, uh, they do forget things, they, 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 you know, the guard is let down, as we say, and, and I get that, but that's why it's a daily, uh, you know, conversation that needs to be happening in these workplaces, and they need to take it seriously. This is a health and safety issue. Uh, this is not just something that uh, the Medical Officer of Health in, in Hamilton or the province just dreamed up to make life more difficult for businesses. This is about the health and safety of their employees, it's about the health and safety of of their customers, and, and that's really important. We're talking about more Hamilton businesses breaking COVID-19 safety regulations in the city of Hamilton. Our guest is Paul Johnson, director of Hamilton's Emergency Operations Center. Has publicly identifying these uh, businesses made an impact at all? Uh, I don't know. It's tough to, to measure that. Um, I, I do think that, uh, you know, it's got to work at some level because uh, I don't think anybody wants to be on that list and, and then end up in the news and, and be a topic of conversation uh, in the media. So I do think that it, it, it probably has some deterrent value, and that was uh, some of the hope in taking this next step um, in terms of actually naming them instead of being a bit more generic about it. Uh, there's no evidence that we can point to to suggest that, but my one disappointment is that I would have uh, hoped that the list would would uh, not be growing as much as it is. And, and that's, you know, an indication that uh, I think people are still just not following. And it's important to note that if we go in and, and see very, very, you know, where we can educate businesses, where it's clear that there's just this, this little mistake happening, uh, that's our role. And that's the role of our bylaw enforcement team. So when charges are laid, it really is because they feel that there is, there is something uh, large enough there that warrants that approach to it. Uh, we are not, you know, going in looking and trying to play a gotcha moment. But some of these things are, of course, uh, just we can't ignore them anymore. The time for a gentle chastisement has long passed in this community. When you look at the numbers of people who are um, getting infected by COVID-19, the number of people in our hospitals, and unfortunately, the number of people that have lost their lives. This is a serious time that we're still in and will be in for many, many more months until we have a broad vaccination approach. The fines range from 200 to $1,000. So are they high enough? Do they need to be higher? Well, it's a pretty bad day when that happens. And for, uh, for institutions, it can go higher than that, uh, depending on it. We haven't had a lot of the uh, multi-thousand uh, charges laid in, in Hamilton, um, but they can go higher than that. Uh, we think it's enough of a deterrent. The other piece here is to, well, we want people to come back into compliance. And so there's a balancing act always in enforcement with uh, 
uh, with not, uh, you know, taking the legs completely out, out of business, but to send a message. And I don't think anybody likes to be uh, have a charge against them. I don't think anybody likes to be publicly named in these things. So I think that combination of naming, that combination of a financial penalty, uh, you know, I, I think that's getting the attention of businesses. And on the positive side, we do hundreds of inspections. This group works seven days a week. Uh, they're there in the daytime hours and the evening hours. Uh, we're going out to private residents when we hear about large parties. We're going to businesses proactively and reactively. And the vast majority of people are, are doing the right thing and they're following all the rules. And so it does, uh, you know, I, I, I often come on this show and, and talk about all the things that aren't going right. But I do want to say that so much is going right that it's why it's disappointing to see those those occasions where, particularly the multiple charges, Rick, <laughs> yeah, that's just not one issue being, uh, you know, let down. It's several things happening that, uh, and essentially just not following any of the rules. That Those are the tough ones for me. But the, the good news is, is that our business community has responded really, really well to this. Wish I had a little more time, but we're going to have to uh, pause it there. Paul, uh, thanks for the time and all the best in 2021. Thanks, Rick. Same to you. Thank you very much. Paul Johnson is the director of Hamilton's Emergency Operations Center. When we come back, we're going to switch gears a little bit, talk about uh, more violations or at least a big gaffe from Ontario's finance minister. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Ontario's finance minister says he's making arrangements to return to Canada immediately after he was criticized for taking a personal trip despite pleas to stay home amid the pandemic. In a statement released earlier yesterday following a media inquiry, usually happens that way, Rod Phillips says he and his wife left on December 13th on a previously planned personal trip outside of the country. He said, quote, Had I been aware then of the eventual December 26th province-wide shutdown, we would have cancelled the trip. What? Here's Global's Travis Stanrash. His statement from his office basically says, had I been aware of the eventual December 26th province-wide shutdown, we would have canceled the trip. Now, that's the explanation. However, the Minister of Finance is in the loop when it comes to everything. He likely would have known that this was a possible option if he left on the 13th, that this could be coming down. So I, you know, I guess his judgment is in question here as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. Sarah Singh is the NDP's deputy leader and joins us now. Sarah, good morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks for so much for having me on. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, Listen, anyone can go on a trip abroad, in my opinion, if you want, as long as you follow all the proper protocols, especially when you come back with the whole quarantining thing. But, and here's the rub, the government has pounded us with this message, and rightfully so, of staying home during the pandemic and only go out for essentials. Having the finance minister abroad is an atrocious message. It is shocking and appalling that the finance minister thinks it's okay to be traveling while, you know, Ontarians have had to make some very tough sacrifices uh, through this lockdown. And if I can just add, you know, we're in a lockdown because of this government, uh, frankly, and and its failure to uh, invest in our communities and and put in place public health measures. Um, So for us to be in a state of lockdown, forced to stay home, you know, many people had to cancel their Christmas. They didn't get to see their grandparents. Uh, For many, this may have been their grandparents' last Christmas. They didn't get that opportunity. So to have our finance minister out 
jet-setting through the tropics, I think, just sends such a wrong message, and it's just really shocking and disappointing. Well, and it's a deceiving one uh, at that, because not only is he abroad during a pandemic, which, which again, is fine, but again, he is the finance minister. We are under lockdown. I think the right place is to stay at home. But there have also been a series of tweets uh, that were sent out while he was away, um, uh, projecting him at home, isolating, wearing a mask, and he's doing none of this. And I think that's the the deception there is is what's really concerning here. I mean, you know, sending out these messages about uh, people making sacrifices while, again, he's out somewhere in the world. Uh, We're still not sure where he's been. Um, You know, I think it just is, again, just really poor leadership. Um, But it's it's also not surprising. I mean, we've seen just chaos and confusion from this government in its handling of the pandemic. And this isn't the first time that a member of uh, Premier team uh, hasn't been following the public health recommendations and the rules. Um, You know, I think it's just very concerning, this pattern of behavior. It's like the rules simply don't apply um, to the Ford government and and members of cabinet, but yet everybody else has to make these tough sacrifices and stay home. Uh, You know, uh, if someone's listening to this, they're probably thinking we're piling on, but uh, there's a lot of things to pile on here, and you just referenced one of them. This government is saying one thing and doing the other thing. Doug Ford said, hey, don't go to uh, your cottage. He goes to the for a quote-unquote plumbing issue. Stay at home during Easter. Uh, don't have family over. He goes and visits family. MPP for Niagara Region Sam Oosterhoff, uh, shown in a photo with uh, uh, more than two dozen other people, none of them wearing masks against provincial violations uh, or regulations. He doesn't get penalized. I mean, the mixed messaging is absolutely mind-boggling. And that's, again, the pattern of behavior. It's the mixed messaging. It's this chaos and confusion. It's not direct. It's not clear. Again, a set of expectations with no accountability um, for those members, um, you know, for, for his team. But then the general public has to be forced into this lockdown. Again, one that this government brought upon itself because it didn't do what it needed to do all summer long. We now, through the holidays, are forced into a second lockdown. Uh, it's just really disappointing. And again, really concerning this, this lack of leadership the lack of accountability, and just the lack of transparency from this government all around. It's it's just a huge disappointment. So many more things to unpack in this situation. We're speaking with Sarah Singh, NDP Deputy Leader here on The Bill Kelly Show on 980 CFPL London, 900 CHML Hamilton. Rick in for Bill today. Phillips said, and I quote, Had I been aware then of the eventual December 26th provincial shutdown, we would have cancelled the trip. How does Ontario's finance minister have no idea that a province-wide lockdown is coming in a couple of weeks' time? Just honestly, you have to shake your head at that. I mean, it's just such a, you know, lame excuse, to be frank. Um, You know, I think if anyone should know that a lockdown was coming, it it should be members of cabinet, the premier's team. This is the minister of finance. Um, You know, people had to cancel their trips. They canceled Christmas. They stayed home. Um, For the minister of finance to say, well, you know, had I known better, I would have done differently. Um, We've known since March that there are travel restrictions in place. Canadians have been urged to stay home to avoid all non-essential travel. Uh, For the minister to make this excuse um, and sort of shrug his shoulders at this, I think, again, just shows the lack of leadership and just the lack of accountability uh, for what clearly it was a mistake that he made. Premier Doug Ford was uh, asked about this yesterday, and he called Phillips' trip unacceptable. He wants him back immediately, so uh, Rod Phillips is coming back. But also, Doug Ford claims that he did not know about this trip until after Phillips was gone. I'm calling BS on that. How does Ford not know where his right-hand man is? 
that again is just it's such a comical response from from the the government and and the premier. I mean, for for the premier to say I, I didn't know that my minister of finance was out of the country for two weeks, um, and and I'm just finding out uh, again makes you question what's really happening at the cabinet table, who's driving these decisions, um, and really is the premier uh, keeping track of his own members? Um, I think that you know he should know where the minister of finance is, um, and again these guys should be at work. We should be at work passing legislation to help small businesses out, help everyday families out. Um, for, for them to just be MIA during this time uh, is really, really concerning. Sarah, really appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy the rest of the holiday season and uh, all the best in 2021. Thanks so much, Rick, and uh, please stay safe, everyone. Take care. Enjoy your New Year's as well. Thank you very much. NDP Deputy Leader Sarah Singh joining us. Uh, you know, I'm just scratching my head. My, my blood is boiling because the mixed messaging is, I mean, it's deception. We can't trust these guys. They say one thing and do another, and it's during a pandemic. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Retailers uh, had an ugly year in 2020, or at least many of them did. What is 2021 going to look like? Uh, You know, the the pandemic has led to numerous closures and bankruptcies this year. Uh, Dozens of chains have shuttered their doors. Um, Hundreds of other stores across Canada, many of them mom and pop shops, uh, suffering the same fate, really thousands. Um, But while some businesses did crumble this year, uh, others did thrive. Are there more choppy waters ahead? Uh, Here to explain what uh, may happen in 2021, because uh, who knows at this point. Uh, Deanne Brisbois is the president and CEO of the Retail Council of Canada and joins us now. Deanne, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us today. 2020, as, as you well know, has been a death knell for retail, especially mom and pop shops that have been forced to close during this uh, second province-wide lockdown here in Ontario. Did anyone predict that it was going to be this bad? No, uh, we really did not. And certainly we thought that if the cases were to increase, we were certainly hoping at that point that the province Uh, would consider stricter capacity limits for all retailers. So that would allow those retailers that are not essential uh, to remain open with very, very strict capacity, thus allowing them to at least continue to, uh, to do, to sell, especially as you know, the the last two months of the year, especially the last six weeks of the year are key for most retailers. So that includes our, independent retailers, store owners, but also specialty retailers. So this has been extremely difficult. And as the lockdown continues, we suspect it will be challenging in 2021. As you mentioned, the last couple of months, you know, in advance of the Christmas shopping season or during really the Christmas shopping season is key, yeah. especially for, you know, not the, not those big, uh, you know, multi-billion dollar chains, but those mom and pop shots really rely on, uh, you know, that, that income. Are we going to see insolvencies rise in 2021 because they didn't make ends meet come November and December? Unfortunately, we will, uh, especially if we look at the lockdown in Ontario. But as you noted at the beginning of the segment, it's pretty much across the country. And so uh, if the lockdown continues until end of January, that may very well be the last nail in the coffin for a lot of our smaller retailers who rely on foot traffic and obviously on the their store, their brick-and-mortar store. And so um, it doesn't look good 
for the first quarter of 2021 for many of those businesses. Which is really sad because a lot of those individuals, a lot of those families, a lot of, their, a lot of them are family businesses, have poured years and years and years of blood, sweat, and tears into exactly. that business. and. Yeah. It's extremely unfortunate. And really, every business, whether it's, uh, you know, big box store or, you know, your your entrepreneur trying to make it, for one reason or another had to pivot or reinvent itself to survive 2020. Which businesses were able to do it best because, you know, the guidelines kind of played in their hands and which ones really struggled? Well, obviously, the those deemed essential uh, did much better because they were able to remain open. Saying that, they spent millions and millions of dollars in PPE and staff training and all that, but they were able to continue to operate. So we're talking about 80% of all the other retailers. Now, those who did better are those retailers who had very strong web presence and web businesses, so online. And those that we're already building that before the pandemic. So you think of, you know, these are larger retailers, but you think of Lululemon, for example, Aritzia and the like. So these retailers did well because they had a huge following online and customers wanted to buy online as much as buy in store. And that was key and it will continue to be key for both small and large non-essential retailers in 2021. The growth of online shopping uh, is extremely, was important in 2020, will be even more in 2021. Our guest is Deanne Brisbois, President and CEO of the Retail Council of Canada here on The Bill Kelly Show on 980 CFPL London and 900 CHML Hamilton. Rick Samprin in for Bill today. Uh, you mentioned online and certainly with you know the radio business, really every business uh, had to, I think, find a way because things... Uh, were really sped up in terms of, uh, you know, new innovations or new ways of doing things. For instance, radio, a lot of our announcers are broadcasting from home. So we had to technically figure out how to do that on a larger scale. Um, For retailers, what were some of the innovations that were really sped up? Was it just the online game? No, it wasn't just the online game. It was also, as you know, that even though there were at times capacity limits or uh, currently lockdowns, Retailers became very creative in the uh, curbside pickup. So they embraced technology. They uh, brought in apps uh, to assist customers in making appointments, in shortening the lines. Uh, so that, that became extremely popular. They also redesigned their stores. So they re-merchandised to allow for more space. And so a lot of the retail stores have became like media centers or showrooms and uh, so that there was space but there was also an experience in the store we think that that will continue very much in 2021 and obviously um, the biggest investments have been done online and trying to get customers to feel that same experience as they would in store which is not always easy so augmented reality uh, is very big and will continue to be and I think the, the hopeful message here for the smaller retailers who will be able to survive in 2021 is that technology and all of those tools are becoming less and less expensive. And so that allows them 
to take advantage of the new technology to offer their customers a great experience. That is a good point. The Ontario government delayed its province-wide lockdown, at least. I know it was in effect in Peel and Toronto for a few weeks before the province uh, as a whole went in lockdown. Uh, that that uh, decision was delayed until Boxing Day, as opposed to before Christmas. Did that decision save many businesses, or at least some businesses, from going under? Well, it certainly did. Uh, I think... You know, in retrospect, it's easy to always say, well, we would have, we could have. But in retrospect, uh, we would have liked to have seen the Peel and Toronto and New York go to 20% capacity. And in fact, all non-essential in all the regions. So that would have made sure that people weren't getting into their SUV and driving to a region that was open. But saying that, yes, there's no question. I mean, the concern is that When you look at Toronto, Peel, and York, that represents uh, close to 40% of um, retail sales uh, in the province. Those are huge regions, very, you know, densely populated. So that was a challenge. But certainly for the smaller uh, retailers and specialty chains, having the rest of the province open up to Boxing Day was uh, a godsend. Deanne, appreciate the insight today. Uh, All the best in 2021, and hopefully uh, clearer skies are ahead. We certainly hope so. Thank you so much. Thank you. Deanne Brisebois is the president and CEO of the Retail Council of Canada, uh, shedding some light on uh, the retail landscape in 2020. Certainly the waters were very choppy. 2021, hopefully, fingers crossed, better times are ahead. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. As COVID-19 cases surged earlier this year, we all know that the number of hospitalizations increased, hospitals clamped down on their visitor policies. Uh, But was it the right thing to do? Three members of Ontario's COVID-19 science advisory table don't think so. In an article published a couple of days ago now in the Globe and Mail, they say, quote, the best available science supports allowing family and caregivers into hospitals, not restricting them. And they believe that overly restrictive visitation policies don't reflect the most up-to-date science about either COVID-19 transmission or the crucial role of family and caregivers in medical care. And there is overwhelming evidence supporting the role of family and caregivers in providing the best possible medical care. Very interesting. Dr. Lavina Munchi is critical care physician at Sinai Health System at the University of Toronto and joins us now. Dr. Munchi, good morning. Good morning. Why should hospitals loosen visitor restrictions for family and caregivers during the pandemic? So this has obviously been a topic of of much debate um, that's resonated throughout all of our hospitals. And um, when we kind of pause to look at the available evidence, One thing that we did come across is that the past few decades has really demonstrated and recognized the the role of family or designated care partners in the delivery of patient-centered care. And these so-called visitors may be essential to facilitating care needs, such as feeding, mobility, or hygiene, or even participating in communication, such as language barriers or when patients are delirious, or even acting as substitute decision makers, and even supporting patients emotionally through their illness. So when we looked at the limited evidence out there supporting blanket uh, visitation restrictions and we came across um, uh, evidence over the decades 
supporting the presence of family and caregivers at the bedside, we thought that this is possibly an opportunity to pause and reevaluate the, the visitor restrictions that a lot of our hospitals have adopted at the beginning of the pandemic. So the middleman or, or middlewoman or middle person, per se, uh, is really crucial in the delivery of care. Absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, I'm a critical care physician. And in the ICU, for example, delirium or a state of acute confusion is very common, and it's particularly common during COVID-19. And we have data that's demonstrated over the past few years that family presence or engagement is associated with less delirium or shorter lengths of stays in the ICU. Or family presence on the medicine wards has been shown to assist with mobility or recovery or enhanced communication in the setting of elderly patients. So when when we kind of reflect upon the harms of visitor restrictions, um, while it certainly made sense at the beginning of the pandemic when there was limited understanding of how COVID-19 is transmitted and there was evidence of its capacity to overwhelm healthcare systems, it certainly made sense at the beginning to adopt restrictive visitation policies. But now that we've had an opportunity to experience wave one and potentially see some of the bedside harms, we felt that there is certain evidence in certain settings to start to um, perhaps liberalize or relax visitation restrictions, allowing family members and caregivers to the bedside in specific settings. So how should this be rolled out? Uh, it, it can't be a one-size-fits-all, can it? Absolutely. So, so I think there's a lot of variability that exists in policies based upon a community prevalence and also um, area of the hospitals that patients are in and also care needs of patients. So I think the first thing we need to do is identify high priority groups who are at the greatest risk of visitation restrictions. And then I think we need to define the best ways to safely try to facilitate their presence at the bedside. And these um, these strategies may include being very selective about which visitors are able to come into the hospital. So, for example, specifically certain family members or care partners and not a wider circle, meticulous screening at entrances for which visitors also need to be very truthful with their symptoms and their exposures, education surrounding wearing masks and hand hygiene, as well as education surrounding the proper and appropriate use of personal protective equipment and possibly even in the future, um, the the potential use of rapid tests if they become uh, available and reliable. We're talking about hospital visitor restrictions during the COVID-19 pandemic with Dr. Lavita Munchi, a critical care physician at Sinai Health System at the University of Toronto. Rick Samprin in for Bill Kelly here on The Bill Kelly Show on 980 CFP London, 900 CHML Hamilton. Are provincial health officials and hospital administrators open to this idea? So I think uh, very importantly, what we've seen um, across uh, visitor restrictions, as well as other aspects of um, science and COVID-19 is evolving science and evolution of the risk benefits of our understanding of, of both sides of, of the equation here. And I think people have paused and reevaluated as information has evolved. So during wave one, I think we saw much more stringent visitor restrictions that were adopted. And I think from what we've learned during wave one and upon reflecting upon the evidence, many of us in certain regions, at least where I work, have actually seen some liberalization reflecting uh, the fact that there have been potential harms that were identified. And I think as we continue throughout this pandemic, there will be a continual need to pause and reevaluate the evidence and then adapt in response to the evidence to ensure that we're establishing the right balance between restriction and uh, bringing family and caregivers to the bedside. Did we learn, it's some time ago now, 2003, but did we learn anything from SARS in terms of visitors? And SARS was very different because it was frontline healthcare workers that were primarily affected by this. But did we learn anything from that? So I, 
absolutely. I think one of the challenges from pandemic to pandemic is that the mechanisms of transmission and what we know about um, the specific, um, uh, I guess, uh, organism um, and how much we know has varied from pandemic to pandemic. And so I think from SARS, we, we did learn that there was a lot of importance to uh, restricted visitation policy because there was a higher proportion of healthcare providers that did acquire SARS um, uh, from the hospital setting. At that time, however, we had a lot lower of an understanding of SARS-1. We're in a bit of a different situation um, with uh, our current pandemic, given that we had a few more months of understanding of the organism before it actually arrived in our country. So I think, um, understandably, using this precautionary principle that states that we should um, act to reduce risk and not wait for scientific certainty, it totally made sense, based upon our previous understanding of pandemics, to adopt strict visitation policies. But now that we have a greater understanding of COVID-19, I think our actions need to now better reflect um, our experience and the evidence uh, behind what we're seeing. Dr. Lavina Munchie has been our guest here on The Bill Kelly Show. Dr. Munchie, thank you very much for the time. All the best in 2021. Great. Thank you. You too. Take care. Thank you very much. That is uh, Dr. Lavina Munchie, critical care physician at Sinai Health System at the University of Toronto, explaining why there is a need and, uh, and a need right now and going forward for visitor restrictions in hospitals to be loosened. That's that family member, that caregiver makes a lot of critical decisions, especially in a crisis situation. Um, so, yeah, let's hope that, uh, you know, the, these these restrictions are loosened, this new policy, if you will, that uh, the three members of Ontario's COVID-19 science advisory table have thought up are uh, implemented uh, going forward. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 till noon on 900 CHML. I'm Bill Kelly. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure that you rate and review.